reschedule or do you want to try and do it? Um, okay, well, there's, a, there's a, me and Troy are already hanging online and Zoom talking about the finer points of a few minor things. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about the finer points of minor things, but um, you know, any one of those. You know, that's one of those kind of minimal maximal dilemmas. But, um, but we're here and he sent you the link. So just check your email and get on when you want. Okay. Okay, great. I'll see you in a sec. Bye. He's coming on. Oh, nice. He, I think he's spaced or. Oh, uh, here he is. Yeah. Oh, there's the man. How are you doing, Robin? <laughs> How's your hair? You look good, man. Well, How are you, me. sir? I'm sorry. How are I'm, you? I'm good. I'm actually good. Nice. I'm here at home. Very cool. I'm I'm Thank down the street from you. What? I'm down the street from you. I'm a, you're in East Nashville. I, I'm over near Groon's Guitars. Okay, over yeah. off of 8th Avenue. Yeah, off at of 8th, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right on. Good place to be. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, man? You good? Well, I am. Um, we're packing to move to France, you know. Oh, you're, you're, already, you're already in that phase. Wow, that's coming soon. When's the, uh, <laughs> when's the move day? We uh, leave, I believe, March 31st. Whoa, that's wow. a right up. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. And so you yeah. already have a place you already have a place in France? No, we're going over. Um we are uh we're gonna be renting our place out here through uh, a property manager and um you know kind of long-term rental. Yeah. And uh we're getting we have we have a place in, in Paris for um a month. And during that period of time, we'll find where it is that we're going to live. And, you know, we're kind of saying for a year, but, you know, neither one of us feels like we're going to be coming back. Right. But, uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> and, and as you know, in the world right now, anything can happen. <laughs> I know. Isn't that weird? Jesus, man. There's it's nothing you can count on. There's nothing that's ordinary or normal. Not anymore. At all. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you're going to do it, do it. I think it's a great move, Robin. I think oh, man, I'm excited for you. I, want, I can't wait to Thank hear you. about it. You know. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to it. Is that, is that why you were dancing online today or today or yesterday I saw you dancing? Oh, Kelly posted that. <laughs> uh, that was before bedtime a couple of nights ago. <laughs> I like I was it, man. Moving to West Montgomery. It was good, man. It was good. Oh, thank you. So, um, what is that black guitar behind you there? It's my new purchase, mate. I got a, uh, oh, a, a nice uh, Duesenberg. Duesenberg, that's it. Yes. Oh, I, I fell in love with it. It feels like a, um, it feels like a Mercedes. That's what it feels like. Wow. So, yeah. Plays like butter. 
Yeah, Troy's always been a Gretsch guy. So, you know, that's, okay. that's kind of like the the Mercedes of the Gretsch world, right? I mean, would you would you agree with that? I yeah, mean, kind that's of. what I thought when I played it. Yeah. It's um it's yeah, it's a nice, really nice guitar. So I'm selling right gear on. to get new gear. <laughs> that's the way you do it. Right? Yeah. I don't, want, I don't want any more gear. I just want different gear. <laughs> right exactly well that's what i tell myself you know that's yeah, what well, I no, that's what you tell your wife yeah you know? yeah <laughs> so anyway, yeah I, you know you have to sell to get i mean i'm i'm like that i have yeah. to sell something to get something else yeah, yeah. i mean the shit that i want's expensive so yeah yeah and pretty simple equation yeah you know, as much as the money it's also the space and the space, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you, you keep getting stuff, you need more space for it, you know, but if you can get rid of something, you're making space for the new stuff, too. Huh? So it's a win-win. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, you know, anyways. But speaking <laughs> of gear, we have you here because, I mean, you are the keystone of, of this whole thing in many ways. Um, we've been spending the pretty much this whole year talking about Alexander or Howard Dumble. Alexander, yeah. Um, and, and you know, we decided, you know, because he was such an enigmatic person and there's so much mythology surrounding this incredible human who changed the world in many ways, you know, created the booty camp industry. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you have such an integral part of that that we would just, we're just allowing everybody who kind of knew him at an intimate level to share their stories. And we figured through all of these podcasts, Mm -hmm. If somebody really wants to know about who Alexander or Howard Dumble or Mr. Dumble was, if yeah. they listen to all of this, they can build a picture that's not like the Seinfeld soup Nazi or the crazy <laughs> stuff you read on the internet, but actually a true story of a man who was a brilliant guy and was quirky. And um, you, of course, played such a part in all of that. So we would just, we're asking you to just share whatever you're willing to share from your relationships and times with Howard and your feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, I always, uh, you know, like to let people know, I mean, he really was like, um, you know, he was family to me, you know, I loved him. And uh, there was a tremendous amount of warmth and, and friend friendship friendliness you know between us and uh i think most people who got to know him and uh didn't rub him the wrong way you know <laughs> found him to be that guy yeah. you know just this beautiful cat beautiful soul you know and um from the beginning you know the relationship was was you know easy and um you know i i i guess i should share the the story that most people probably know but uh, the overdrive special the inception of the overdrive special was hearing him hearing me play when i was 19 20 right around there uh 19 yeah i think i was still playing it when i was 20 a Fender piggyback basement, uh, you know, combo, uh, not combo. I'm sorry. Uh, piggy, you know, piggyback. 
Yeah. So AMP had in a two by 12 cabinet. So that's where it's, he got the uh, idea for something, you know, and he started modifying Fender Bassman, uh, you know, blackface heads. And um, the original Dumble uh, Overdrive Special was a combo. So he actually started with a combo, but it was based on the, um, the, the piggyback blackface, you know, basement head uh, circuitry. So he was modifying them. So, I mean, that's like, you know, the Overdrive Special is the most famous amp in the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. boutique, boutique, as you were yeah. saying, amp in yeah. the world, you know. So that's where it started. And, uh, you know, so we had a connection even before I knew it, you know. And I can tell you honestly that when I first met him, you know, in person and, and we, you know, I said, yeah, I'm ready. I can pay you now to build me an amplifier. Um, I don't remember him telling me about that. I, I, I think he told me about that later. Oh, um, wow. So I still didn't know. I think for a while, you know. <laughs> I just remember when they go, you know, Robin, I got the idea from hearing you play. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So, you know. Uh, was it, Scott, Robin, did he, did he explain, was he hearing, not hearing something in your sound at the time? Or did you talk to him about what you weren't hearing in your sound? Oh, you know, man, uh, when I first, you know, again, I'd been renting one of his amplifiers. Uh, that was belonged to Andy Brower. Mm. Uh, Andy Brower uh, had a vintage uh, gear shop, and he he would rent uh, gear out to studios. Yeah, you know, vintage Strat you could rent, you know, and a vintage, you know, Deluxe or whatever, you know. And uh, so he had a, a hundred watt, you know, Dumble Overdrive Special hundred watt, and he introduced me to that amplifier head, and I used to rent it from him because I couldn't right. afford to have one built. So eventually when I had the money, you know, then I got in touch with them, right? So that's kind of how that evolved. And um, so, you know, the relationship from the beginning, I found him a great cat just right away. You know, I, 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 I liked him, you know, yeah. immediately. <clears throat> and so, you know, I, I would go over to his house, you know, and. He would do, you know, uh, occasional mods on my amp, but they would be minor, you know. I would just need a little of this or like the overdrive, you know, my, my taste in the overdrive might change a little bit. So he'd do a little mod to the, to the overdrive station. And, uh, you know, I, I hung with him many times in that way at his very dilapidated, <laughs> big house that was owned by Jackson Brown in North Hollywood. You guys familiar with that stuff? Yeah, called, yeah. He called that the pagoda, right? That the pagoda. Was... It, it looked yeah. like a Japanese pagoda. Yeah, it had, you know, the, the yeah. first floor had its own ceiling that went like that. Then there was another one. And, a, yeah. you know, same oh, kind wow. of thing. Stacked with the curved roof. Yeah. Yeah. Green, painted green, you know, like kind of tile looking. But boy, it was in bad shape. I mean, like rickety stairs and holes in the floor and shit. It was very strange, you know? So this is the other side of Alexander was his uh, idiosyncrasy and, um, hmm, wow. 
I don't know what would make a man live the way he lived because uh, he lived uh, surrounded by gear mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't really take care, you know? I mean, there's stuff all over the kitchen, you know, and like that, you know, and it wasn't like he was vacuuming and straightening up and <laughs> opening the windows and letting air in. It was very much the other side of that. Right, you know, right. The recluse, uh, the guy who didn't let go of anything. Right, the pack rat. Pack so, rat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that. It was a real strange dichotomy, you know, of this brilliant mm-hmm. man, open to the world, really, you know, but at the same time, you're the still air, the pack rat thing. I know yeah. it, it wasn't like a typical pack. I mean, I've known those people where they have a bunch of shit and they don't know where anything is. He uh-huh. was like, no, he had a bunch of shit, but he knew where everything was. Yeah, anything he needed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and so it was like this weird dichotomy of, of things, you know, mm-hmm. and, even I didn't go, I never went to the pagoda. I was in the rancho, you know, over mm-hmm. in El Rancho. It's still the same thing, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, speaker boxes and amplifiers and parts and pictures mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, rooms that are supposed to be a kitchen, but it wasn't a, or a bathroom that was really a speaker collection. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, but it was. Did he build I, an amp for you, Bruce? Yes, he did. Yeah. And what I was have, that amp? Yeah, I have a, it's a uh, Vibra, Fender Vibrolux from the 60s mm-hmm. that he put a Rockphonics in the first channel, normal channel, and he put an Ultraphonics in the Vibrato channel, mm-hmm. which is just what I play generally. What that is your amplifier? No, no, I don't use oh. uh, Unfortunately, my problem with it was I miss, maybe it's a, it's a, um, evolution in my playing style and maybe it was a misrepresentation but um you know i play a lot of chords and i play them pretty forcefully yeah and the headroom in the vibralux just doesn't allow for it live right so it distorts and you know and what's the point of paying a four or five note chord if you can't hear the notes in it you know so so uh i I use it in the studio a lot Uh because i can keep it you know down and it sounds beautiful uh-huh. But it's it's not really. Uh, I think ultimately I should have had him do a pro reverb for me, you know, so, or a super something that had a little bit more headroom so that I yeah. could lean into the chords. Yeah. But when I when I auditioned for him, you know, as you know how that works, you know, I I was just playing kind of soft. So like his suggestion was, or oh, a deluxe or a vibralux would be great, you know. Yeah. So. Um, that was pretty much my fault, not maybe realizing, or maybe it's the evolution in my style since then. Yeah. Too. I mean, there's various things, but it's a great amp. Yeah. I'm probably going to sell it, you know, because I'm not uh-huh. playing it enough. And it's one of his last masterpieces, you know, and it should be out making music, you know, it shouldn't be. These things were made to be played. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I need to make room. <laughs> of course so i can tell you one thing about um you know the aspect of his uh his uh, devotion to his craft you know uh 
I was at his house one day and, you know, Bruce, clearly you were there, the, the Rancho place. Yeah, you know? right. That was a little bit more negotiable than the, than the pagoda was. But, uh, you know, we were sitting in the living room and he says, you, you want some water or some tea or something? I said, yeah, sure. You know, so we got up and we started walking toward the kitchen and, you know, you're like squeezing around the couch and the speaker cabinets and the, you know, and I was sort of marveling at it. You know, I didn't say anything, but he goes, it's called living your craft, Robin. He oh, just said God. this. He, he picked up on it, you know, even though, you know. I don't. I didn't even know how. <laughs> I didn't feel like I was making a spectacle of myself, and I didn't say anything. You know, it's called living your craft, Robin. <laughs> and um, and indeed, it's all that he did. That's all that he did. Wow. Was amps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that's the guy who's going to get good at it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's all that he, you know, like it isn't all that he thought about. So another aspect here, uh, you know, he, um, he was very uh, into metaphysical, you know, reading, yeah, things like that. And I remember him talking to me about, uh, I mean, I'm kind of out there myself, you know, but in a little bit more traditional kind of Buddhist philosophy probably would be the reference. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've studied some other things, but, you know, he's definitely kind of like uh, a little bit more planetary, you know, and uh, so, yeah, like the occult, but the good occult, not the bad occult, you know, right. he definitely was, was into those things. He, he was, a, he was metaphysics. I think that's the way to, to view it. You know, spirituality, I don't think is exactly the right word, you know, metaphysical. You know, the interconnectedness of things and finding it, you know, the connection, I think in his case, probably through math, you know, and uh, vibration, <laughs> you know, things like that. He was a very sophisticated guy, very sophisticated thinker. I don't think you could have done what he did, you know, uh, in the realm of uh, sonics, you know, phonics. Yeah. Do you know if do you know Robin if he excelled at school? Was that something he? I don't. Don't know. Uh oh. Curious. It, he's one of those cats that left school and went on and then bloomed. I think he must have studied algebra, geometry, yeah, yeah. calculus. He's just. It was his thing, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant guy, you know, terribly overweight. He became terribly overweight. And it was one of those things, you know, where I think it became harder and harder for him to socialize for that, for that reason, you know. But was it, was it a diet thing with him? Or do you think it was more, it was deeper than that? Well, what's a diet thing, you know? Yeah, I guess, right. Because I, I know that he was very concerned about the food that he ate and the water that he drank. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that. Uh, he, he got sick, you know, like uh, at the pagoda, um, there was, um, they, it, was a, it was literally a, a, like a chapel. It was right next to the pagoda. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. No. no. But it was like a, 
a chapel, like an old chapel, like from, you know, early California, you know, um, Saint so-and-so, you know, like San Diego, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, the churches and, you know, chapels that were built, you know, in Southern California back in the day when it was being settled by the Spanish. Beautiful chapel. Uh, again, things were kind of run down. And this property was owned by Jackson Brown. Movies used to be made in that chapel. And apparently, Alexander said that the film processing poisoned the air around him mm. and that he was actually poisoned by some aspect of the de development of film, the use of film. This is what he told me. And uh, he got very sick from that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it was always, always a little bit mysterious to me. It's like, wow, you know, why don't you move, man? <laughs> you know, it's like you should get away from there. Yeah, right. But he stayed. Yeah. You know, even knowing that the shit was going on. So, you know, it's just, you know, kind of wild shit like that. You know, he, uh, you know, there's, I don't, I don't know what was going on, you know, with him really on that level because it was just way too private. I think he kept it too private, you know? Yeah. yeah. So there were times, you know, when he, like, uh, I think, can't remember the term that you used, Bruce, but you know, what was it? The dark Lord or the, what was the term? The soup Nazi. <laughs> soup Nazi. Okay. That's pretty, that's benign. No, no amp for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. I get it. Yeah. I, I think he, he, he would let things slip between the cracks here yeah. and there on the amp front because I, I did hear tell, you know, that people paid for amplifiers that they never got. Right. You know, and also, and, you know, he was famous for saying, okay, you know, you pay me all the money now and I'll give you your amp in four years. <laughs> Mike Landau. Oh, Mike wow. Landau waited five years. Damn. I think Val McCallum did too, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. know? Do you, do you know if Mike actually thought it was worth it in the end? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's and he, he also said, he said, you know, I think I'm partly responsible for that. I could have been on him mm. more than I was, but I just sort of let it ride. Right. That's right. what he told me, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I never had that experience with Alexander. He built my first amp quickly and he built my second amp faster. <laughs> wow. Cool. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. Was there, a, was there a lot of back and forth, Robin, with the tones that you were trying to get back then and talking with Alexander or double <laughs> about that? No. No, you know, the first amp, uh, yeah, just nailed it, you know? Oh. I mean, it was just the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, and the Talk to Your Daughter album, that's, that's the first place where it's really heard. Yeah. you know, in, uh, from a recording point of view. Yeah. And that is a massive sound, you know, uh, certainly with the overdrive, you know. And um, I mean, over the years, I used that same amplifier. I used that, that amplifier, same amplifier, same cabinet uh, on every record I ever made uh, until 
I, I moved to Nashville. I've made two records since I moved out here. And because of the recording situations that I was in, uh, I wound up using smaller amplifiers. Right. Just for a volume sensor thing, right? Was it? Uh, yes. You yeah. know, you know, uh, uh, I mean, it was a shock to me, honestly, but I, I understand now why, you know, you can, yes. You know, uh, the Dumble, it needs to be open. You know, it needs to be allowed to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, recording here, I've worked in a smaller studio. Right. And I wound up using um, smaller amps, you know, for my last two records, Purple House. On that record, I used um, a Pro Reverb for all the rhythm parts. And I used a Vibrolux uh, Custom Reverb. It's a reissue, you yeah. know, of uh, the old uh, Vibrolux Reverb uh, for all the guitar solos. And then Pure, my most recent, I used uh, Little Walter, uh, 50 watt head, to a single 12 for most of the record. And I used the Dumble on a, on a couple of things. Right. Was that weird for you or not? Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. It was a process, <laughs> you know? Right. It was really, it wasn't an emotional process like that I was, I felt married to the Dumble. Right. You know, right. it wasn't like that. It, it was really just a learning experience that was long overdue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, <laughs> to figure did, out how to record with small amplifiers, you know. You didn't feel like, like Superman without his cape kind of thing. I did. You did, yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, Purple House was rough. Yeah. It took me months to like, what the hell's going on? What's the problem? <laughs> and uh, even and after figuring it out, it was an adjustment, right? Because that's not the way I've ever worked before, you know. And before, were you using anything in front of your dumble, like pedals, much in the way of pedals, or were you just volume on your guitar and the amp direct? Well, in the studio, over time, I. I I would work, you know, without effects. Right. Because you can just get a much better result on the other side. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But every record, man, you know, I mean, like, it, it was just a part of me, you know, yeah. it was my sound, you know? Well, I, I think play. you're a big reason why Dumble blew up in that arena too, you know. In the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning, okay. yeah. I mean, Larry Carlton, because of me. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, eventually, Carlos Santana. Carlos sat in with me at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Shit, how many years ago is that? Because I was trying, I can't even remember what band I had. But uh, I had two dumbbells, you know. And I had them both on the stage. <laughs> so yeah. I guess it was the blue line and we were still a, a loud motherfucking trio, pardon my French. <laughs> I was playing through two dumbbells. Wow. 200 watt heads and two by 12 cabinets. Yeah. That must have been just the best, the best tone. And oh, it was just loud. It wasn't better. No. It was just louder. 
<laughs> one was plenty. There is a, cool, a cool thing about two amps, the way it spreads. It's just bigger and more encompassing, right? I mean, even well, I had them side by side. Yeah, I know, but even me, like with it, you know, two two deluxes is better than one pro. You know, I mean, there's just something about that. And of course, whether they're side by side or spread out five, ten feet, you know, I mean, there's just a thing about the yeah. cushion. You know, it's a big pillow. You know, yeah, yeah, I, full support. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. You play a note and you go like, okay, this is going to be in first note you hit of the night. You hit it, you go, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> You know? I wish that happened a little more often, Bruce. <laughs> I did see Joe Bonamassa uh, show his rig the other day online, and he looked like he had three dumbbells on stage with him, amongst many. He doesn't play dumbbells on the road. He didn't. Well, this. No, no, they're, 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 all, they're all the they're all the uh, copies, the clones, right? You well, know? I I don't know. He he showed a video the other day and he had two dumbbells. I thought it was three dumbbells there lined up, and I was like, "Damn!" But it was rehearsals or what? But yeah, Joe doesn't never. He, he never played them on the road. No, he won't. He won't. Do I don't want to talk smack about people, but nobody plays them on the road. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? I mean, Larry used to, you know. Um, I mean, Eric Johnson, you know, he flirted with him for a while, and you probably know, you know, he had he had a, one of the early steel string singers, but he let go of it, uh, and uh, he regrets it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but you know, all these guys own them. They're gonna hang on to him, I bet. So sorry, yeah, they're gonna hang on to him, I bet. You know, or less. I mean, some of the prices, I imagine some of the prices are just going to be out of this world, you know, for a lot of collectors will, to have a double right. now. I mean, I mean, how do you feel about that, Robin, with how that side of it's gone? I mean. Well, I can tell you, um, you know, first of all, you know, he was very hurt and angry at the fact that, you know, somebody would buy an app, you know, I bought my first stumble for $1,300. And my second one I paid two grand for. Wow. So there were other people who had who did the same. And then they sold it for 12. Then they sold it for 15. Then they sold it for 50, mm. etc, etc. Yeah. So of course, you know, he was just, he just felt extremely ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had two dumbbells, um, 200 watt heads, and he built the second one. And he said, Robin, this is as close to your first one as I could possibly get. He said, I went all the way on this one, man. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, thank you. And um, so uh, when I moved to Nashville, uh, I went through a divorce and uh, I moved to Nashville. And it was a big change for me, and I wanted to get off the road. Yeah. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe if I sell the other amp, which I was not using, and I'd used very little since I had had it built. Was it was it similar to your you, the other Same. one? Same. Yeah. Identical. That's what I was saying. It's like yeah. he said, "Look, man, I couldn't get any closer." Wow. So uh, I originally had it built because I, I wanted to keep one in Europe because I was in Europe 
I'd go three times a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can have one over there and not be paying all this money I'm paying to bring my shit over. Yeah. And that was the original idea. And uh, so indeed I, I got that amplifier. I tried that. And then suddenly I wasn't going to Europe as much. And it's like, it's just sitting over there and I brought it back and I would use it, you know, every now and then. <laughs> so it's like, Okay, I'm moving to Nashville. I'm getting a divorce, you know, big change. I'm not going to go on the road. I want to stay in town. All right. So I called Alexander and I said, hey, look, man, I'm thinking about selling the app, you know, for these reasons. And uh, I said, I'm going to split the money with you. And he goes, oh, Robin, that's okay, man. Don't worry. Just do your thing. Do whatever you need to do. It's all right with me. Wow. Which was like, wow, really? Did you just say that? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 man. Uh, and I said, look, I want you to be happy with the person that it goes to. And so maybe you could pick that person. Mm, wow. And he said, let me think about it. And then he wrote me an email and he said, there's this guy I build amps for him all the time. He's a great guy. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'd be fine with that. And he said, man, why don't you give me 30%? I said, wrote him back, said, great, 40% is a deal. <laughs> so I, I sold the amp for some very good money. Probably could have gotten more from it, but I didn't want to yeah. do that. Yeah. And uh, Alexander got 40%, you know, and uh, it went to a guy that he chose. So that's how I chose to relate to that, you know. Yeah, well, I think that's really commendable, and obviously that that shows the friendship there, man. That's... Well, respect. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because you know, I was he built the amp. You know, I was just the advertiser. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was the marketing guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get my uh, power cable because I'm getting low battery. Here. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Hell of a marketing guy. Yeah, really. I wonder if it worked for me. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, that's that's maybe insane. when he's over in France, he'll need to you need need a side hustle. He can be my marketing guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a whole new change. Yeah, man, you won't even have to speak French for me. You speak French, no? I kind of can. I, I can get in, in trouble and out of it, but you know, mm -hmm. better at yeah. Italian. But oh yeah, it's Italian that you speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I speak French too. But yeah. When was when was the last time you spoke to to, to Alexander? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't exactly recall. Um, it was. Mm, Probably, you know, like, uh, bef certainly before he moved, you know. Mm. So, by the way, the guy that I that he suggested I sell the amplifier to, um, he wound up, it turned out that he'd been uh, actually um, paying Alexander's bills for uh, like four years. Oh, wow. And Alexander was being evicted from his property. Right. His house in uh, the El Rancho and uh, out in Sunland. And um, this gentleman um, moved him up to, he, he's a very wealthy man. 
Oh, so we're talking about the guy up in up in the Central Valley that he moved in with. Tulare okay. County. So that's who got your aunt. He's the guy that Alexander oh, okay. said I should sell an aunt to. I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. His name is escaping me. I would mention it, but maybe he doesn't want it advertised. So I'm okay with not saying it. Yeah. I was okay, good. Yeah. So um anyway. Uh, yeah, Alexander spent about the last six months of his life, I think, up there on that property in Tulare County in a lovely environment, uh, surrounded by people who loved him, children. Mm. Uh, he spent, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas with his family, you know, uh, and extended family. And, you know, I saw a little video, you know, and here's a little fourth five-year-old kid comes up to him and he's talking to him this little girl you know <laughs> big old alexander while he's eating off his paper plate you know some potato salad <laughs> it was so sweet to see uh he was in a good environment when that's awesome yeah he was he was among friends kindness uh love uh really nice place you know and he'd been living in, you know, I, I hate to say squalor. I mean, he chose it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the ho- it wasn't like it was a bad house. It was just amplifiers and guitars and tubes, and magazines. And, you yeah, know. yeah. It was just a mess. Shades closed, you know. And uh, so it was really s- sweet, you know, to to learn that he had, you know, been in this kind of an environment when he passed away and and he had been cared for all this time. So, you know, people, you know, may think, you know, Alexander was worth a lot of money, you know, he didn't have any money. You believe that? Yeah. He told me one time, he goes, Robin. But it was, huh? It was by his designer choice or just the way he was, man. You know what I mean? Oh, clearly he could have been a multimillionaire. Yeah, we, we have had people on the show, you know, like Richard McDonald, who was vice president of Fender. Any day he wanted, he could have just said, yeah. double amp, mod yeah. this, could yeah. have made a new one, and they would have marketed it, and it would have he would have just been like going every day, you know, he would have he would have lost weight going to the mailbox to get his checks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But he said um with that, he couldn't do it. You know, and we and we've had people, you know, on on the show, who have you know corroborated that more, in, in you know, involved in that, and and yeah. you know he just, you know, his quirkiness created his world, and you know, and, and on the other hand, it's really integrity too. I mean, uh-huh. he, you know, that's the way he was. All these people who stole his designs, whether they got it fair and square because somebody brought it to be fixed or mm-hmm. whether they reverse engineered it some other way, you know, or just heard the sound and figured out how to do it. He, recre- he, incre- you know, he created it and he also created the opportunity for all these other people through his choice to not engage mm-hmm. in a commercial way. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, yeah, he was a man who uh, I, I would imagine died with nothing, you know, I mean, other than having changed the world and all of us who are in debt to him for his mm-hmm. brilliance. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, he said every time I, I try, I would hire somebody to build something, to build the chassis or, you know, to do this wiring. He said it, it the quality always went down. Mm. So he said, I just can't do it. And you may or may not know this one, uh, but um, the man, again, who was caring for him, you know, up through the end and through to his funeral. Uh, Alexander's, uh, you know, he, Alexander told him, he said, okay, you know, when I'm gone, that's the last Dumble amplifier. So the technology will not be revealed. Wow. It's, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are, <laughs> they are gold now, right? Yeah. I mean, they were gold before, but now they're like platinum gold or something. I don't know. Crazy. Well, the folks, you know, he, he had, you know, he has some, you know, living family that if they were to inherit, you know, mm. they, they could, uh, they could actually get rich. But yeah. he, he, he said, no. Wow. It's wow. done. It's done. It's like, you know, um, other people would want it to be a legacy, but he knew that if, if he wasn't there, it wasn't going to be it. And it would have his name on it. Mm. And he wasn't going to have anything to do with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Integrity. Yeah. Wow, man. I mean, and it, the people we've talked to, Robin, they all, like, because some of them touched on the fact that he kind of liked the mystique and the rumors and the mm -hmm. shit that was talked about him. He, some of the stuff he really enjoyed that side of it, right? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here we are talking about him, you know, and it's, I mean, there's forums, there's what, how many amp companies and pedal companies have used his name? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of insane how many other people have profited of him and he, all the time he hasn't given anything away except build an amp, an amazing amp. Yeah. Modify. That's yeah. Pretty bad art. For real, pretty bad. <laughs> he was a mighty. He was a mighty cat, man. Yeah. <laughs> he had his dark, you know, his demons or whatever. You know, there were a couple of times when he was angry at me, and it was for the wrong reasons. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. He, what he was angry about that never happened, and he'd be angry at me for a while. And I'm like, Alexander, <laughs> you got it all wrong, man. You could Get pull him off. around, huh? You could pull him around. You can no. get him. No. It just some time would go by, then it'd be like, hey, Robin, how you doing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I remember when you were first on our show at my studio, and we'd mentioned that we we're trying to get him on the show and that. And you talked about um, trying to do books or a documentary, and you tried so many times to, you know, to document the genius of this guy. And it was never happening. So you you kind of foreshadowed what we were going through, and it wasn't wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. So uh, no, I, I think everyone who knew him at some point said, "Alexander, look, man, why don't you make some money?" You know? <laughs> but he told me uh, once. He said, "You know, Robin, uh, sometimes I will not eat so that I can buy this part." He said that. Wow. He wasn't lying. 
Wow. I don't think he ever lied about anything. He was a very yeah. honest, straightforward man. He's like, rather than eat, I, I, I'll use that money to buy this part, you know, that I need, you know. He didn't have to do that. <laughs> no, but he did. He did. Wow. Somehow he did. Wow, man. Well, I'm so sorry, Robin, that, um, you know, you lost a, obviously a good friend and what history you guys made together. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, where's, yeah. where's your dumbbell? Is your dumbbell going to go to Paris with you, obviously, or not? You it's an know. interesting uh, a part of the equation. Like uh, a part of me just think, thinks twice about that because I, I have a good place to leave some things for a little while here in Nashville. Yeah. Kelly, my girlfriend says, you got to bring it with you, Robin, you know, <laughs> she's almost more protective of that amplifier than I am. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I'm like, well, you know, where am I going to put it? Mm. You know, cause it's going to take a minute to figure, you know, figure it out in Paris exactly how, I'm going to work, you know, where we're going to live, how, how all of that's going to function. Cause you know, Paris, it's a very dense city, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, you know, we were there in uh, December. We spent a whole month in France and most of it in Paris. And I, I played two nights at a small jazz club just, just to find out what it would be like to work, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, I, I had a rehearsal with the group one time and wow, uh, we, we, went, we picked up an amplifier and then we had to go across town. It took an hour yeah. to drive across town, traffic. And once we got there, the rehearsal space was down two flights of stairs in a 16th century building. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, this was hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> carry an amp down there, you know? Yeah. So uh, there, there are just aspects to this, you know, that I have to think about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Wow, man. Have, have, you, have you thought, and this might be a, a, just a, <laughs> a really funny or stupid question, with the new technology that is upon us today and heading in the guitar world with these amp modelers and these, um, like... I know, for instance, the quad cortex that can capture a sound. Hmm. Is that even something you've even thought about that looking into is like, ah, I don't even want to deal with that modern bullshit or. I, I just don't have any reason to. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, I like, I have a, we were, you know, Bruce, you were talking about a Vibrolux, right? That Dumble did for you. I mean, I, I have this Vibrolux that I bought for the Purple House record, you know, it's a custom so I had it modified by a guy here in town named Todd Sharp. Oh, Todd. He just did my amp. Okay. Yeah, wow. you're a local. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, and I, I built a the cabinet that the amp was in wouldn't take a 12-inch speaker. So I, I had a, you know, a cabinet built for it that looks the same, that, that could take a 12-inch speaker. So it's just a little deeper, something like that. And... Uh, and so, you know, he put in a larger transformer, it's different tubes, and he did, he put this something called a fat switch, he calls it a fat switch on the, on the face of the amp, a few bit, a few mods, and this thing sounds great. It's clean, it's got a lot of headroom, it can take my pedal board, you know, 
and I can, I've never been able to play, you know, in a, you know, like go to a small club and play and feel good, mm. you know, cause I'm just so used to that hundred watt headroom thing. But anyway, you know, so I have that. I like super reverbs, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't just don't, I don't see the need for it. Yeah. It's just t unnecessary technology. Yeah. How's Maybe the hearing? Meaningful. How's your hearing after all those years? Well, I certainly have ringing, mm. but my hearing is great. Wow, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you were always, you always, were you always conscious of that? Of or what? Of the, where the amp was and on stage and, or you were just going in the moment and just, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, I did some damage, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I can still hear, I can hear anything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, that your amplifiers has got to be um, probably the most, one of the most famous amps on the planet, man. I mm -hmm. mean, even more so now that with Dumble's left us. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And I guess. Yeah. I, I just don't. I mean, Alexander told me there are a couple of people out there who can work on them. Wow. And he said yeah. it very openly. Oh, huh? he, he said that. Yeah. Yeah. He said there's a couple of people out there who can work on them that he feels good about. Uh, and one of them's in L.A. I can't remember his name, but he built uh, a German name. And he, he built an app that's got some notoriety, Boutique Amp. You, yeah. you probably would know. Ray Blankenship? Mm, that doesn't sound quite right. Okay. What's the amplifier that he makes? Okay. Well, Roy, Roy. I mean, they go under his name. He's a, another heavy-duty Mensa. Okay. <laughs> solder sniffer, you know. <laughs> this is another guy. <laughs> this is another guy. It's a very German name. Okay. But uh, in any case, um, you know, I, I, I sure hope nothing goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's the other problem with it, you know. I mean. And getting it was like only he can work on it only you know i mean it's just like i don't know yeah Man. yeah who knows yeah <sighs> yeah we'll see <laughs> hell of a story man i mean looking back now what um because i remember listening to talk to your daughter and just going holy shit yeah and listening to that album just like damn and just wanting to play guitar and sound what like what you were doing mm -hmm. and I, I, like the rest of the guitar players on the planet when we heard that album you know like oh how do we get that tone no <laughs> no one had any clue until later on that it was that that amp, yeah, you know? yeah. Mm -hmm. um pretty amazing stuff and still to this day i mean i go back to you blue you know you and the blue line records and it's just oh man there's some fucking tone there man <laughs> oh, thank you. It's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. <laughs> I have to agree with you. It is impossible to beat. You can't, you can't beat it. <laughs> did that change? When you were what? touring with that with that with the dumbbells, did that change with the power supply where you guys were performing on each yeah. Did sometimes the amp sound, oh, it sounds a little different tonight. 
Oh, well, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, the, the Dumber, Dumble was very uh, um, sensitive to dirty power. Right. You know, where it's too much power is being soaked up by all kinds of other shit that's going on around, you know. Yeah. And the Dumble would suffer from that. Right. And, and actually not sound good. Wow. So it really needed, you know, clean power and it needed at least 120 volts, 125, six. Right. And uh, so whenever I was in Europe, I would always use a power converter. Right. Uh, what do you call it? Is that, is that what you call it? I guess, yeah, power converter, right? Not a power soak, a converter. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's another word that we're looking for, but it could be that. Yeah. But in any case, uh, you know, so I would always strive for that. I, own, you know, I would own one, you know, it stayed, you know, it stayed With, in Europe and we'd pick it up and, you know, yeah. I'd always take it out, you know, whenever we were touring did, over there. Did you do Australia? You did mm -hmm. Australia, right? Oh, yeah. I'm so actually going to be there in May. Oh, wow. Lucky Aussies. <laughs> cool, man. So what is, what is happening? What are you doing music-wise at the moment? Mm. Well, you know, the number one thing in, in my life is uh, the Robin Ford Guitar Dojo, mm -hmm. which is my instructional site. Yeah. Has a ton of content on there. Uh, beyond that, uh, you know, the, I've, I've been uh, writing and playing a lot of instrumental music. Uh, I really like... Uh, I'm digging playing the guitar. I'm not so interested in songwriting in the lyrics way and shit like that. You know, it's become more instrumental and it's kind of a little bit of a full circle thing, you know, like uh, Blue Note Records, you know, Wayne Shorter, you know, or Sonny Rollins on Impulse. I don't know, you know. Like, yep. I like guitar and tenor, you know. I'm the trumpet. Right. You know, kind of thing. Bill Evans and I were doing, a, it's an organ trio thing, basically. A great organ player who also plays bass, you know, and a great drummer from England, uh, Bill on tenor and me on guitar. And I write for this, you know, and I really enjoy writing for that. It's, again, to me, it's sort of akin to the Blue Note, you know, thing, but more in the way that Wayne Shorter, you know, wrote. Right. So it's a little bit more modern. It's not like Sidewinder, Lee Morgan, you know, the church thing. It's just a little bit more, you know, like Elvin Jones on drums, you know, and just a little bit more harmonically sophisticated. Not that it's better, <laughs> but not the churchy thing. A lot of people think a blue note, right? It's like yeah. trumpet and tenor and, you know, a little gospel jazz, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So moving to Paris, that's the big thing. And we'll see what happens once we get there on the music tip, because uh, I don't know. I have a lot of friends over there. I have a great pr promoter in, in France, a great promoter in Italy. We're talking about maybe putting together some packages, you know, with some other, you know, kind of name people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, rather than Robin Ford touring, it would be more like, package kind of a thing right yeah and very little do you, i don't want to work i just want to play <laughs> do you think you um you'll come back to the singing stuff as well 
Oh, I'll continue to do it. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to begin take a little bit, you know, sit further back, you know. Yeah. Uh, for me, in this realm of importance, because I'm just I'm not that you know like I'm not that great. <laughs> it's like, you want to lead with your strength, you know. Matt, I I beg to differ, and I'll push back on that. I think you are. I mean, yeah, thank you, thank you, man. I. I out of a lot of guitarists that sing that can play like on, on your level, you hold vocally very well, sir. So well, um, thank you. you've got nothing to worry about, but um, yeah, I'd love to see more of that too. But what you were producing a lot too here in Nashville, right? You were doing a lot of producing or some. Well, that's why I came here and, and I started doing it. Yeah. The one successful production was uh, a record on Daniel Donato. Yeah. Daniel. Uh, the record's called A Young Man's Country, and that just turned out great. I was I'm really proud of that, the vinyl especially. And we cut it to tape, you know, two-inch tape. Wow. Transferred to Pro Tools to mix it. Yeah. But it was cut to tape. Nice. And it was live. Wow. <laughs> and it just sounds fantastic. And uh, then I started producing uh, John Jorgensen. Oh, and then we were in pre-production for uh, Paul Franklin, the steel guitar player, yeah. great steel player. Yeah. But so both those records came to a halt when COVID hit. And right. that was that, you know. So I produced myself and I produced uh, the Purple House, excuse me, the Pure album, my latest record, Pure. Right. So I was still producing, but I was also the artist, you know. And now... I'm just going to France. <laughs> You're done with the States, man. You're going to check out France for a while. Yes. It's a great place, man. What a great city. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. You're going to kick some ass over there. That's All right, guys. I got to go. Man, thank you so much, Robin. <laughs> Robin, beautiful, man. Great travels to you. Thanks for sharing all this. and. uh Hope to see you over there. Maybe we can play sometime soon, I hope. I would love to. Are you, you have any plans of being in Europe? Yeah, I'm actually going to be over there in April, and uh, late April, May. But, I mean, I'll be going back. Now things are opened up. So, you know, hey. Are you in France in April? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. But uh, Call me. I'll, come, I'll come in May. I'll come in June, whatever, you know. So Ford and Foreman, you know what I mean? It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, I like the sound of that. <laughs> you stay uh, safe, you in touch. I love you. Stay in touch, man, and, and best of everything to you. Yeah, look after Thank yourself, Robin. Thank you, Troy. Always a pleasure, guys. All right. Bye-bye.